IATSE Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they serve projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. Uh, They promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website, iatsi212.com, or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. is up my alberta filmmakers this is the alberta filmmakers podcast my name is matt waterworth and i am here alone uh recording the intro and outro to the podcast uh because you're gonna get a lot of scott on this episode okay scott is on the panel scott is on the panel that you're gonna be hearing uh as the meat of today's show which is all about the talent to watch panel a couple of weeks back maybe a little bit longer uh the CSIF put on an in, an info session all about the new Talent to Watch program, and we've got Barry Thorson, the executive director of the CSIF, uh, moderating a panel with Scott Westby, who of course uh, was the producer on In Plain View, our uh, our project, uh, as well as Cameron McGowan, who was part of the first Alberta team to ever receive the micro budget program. If you don't know. The telephone microbudget program is now called the Talent to Watch program. So uh, that deadline is coming up soon. So we wanted to share this panel. Don't forget, we've got Kevin Dory on the panel as well, uh, screenwriter of, uh, of In Plain View. So lots of great minds to help you navigate the, uh, the waters of the Talent to Watch program. Various deadlines coming up if you are a, a, an eligible Albertan. FAVA has a deadline. CSIF has a deadline. The National Screen Institute, a lot of Story Hive alumni in Alberta, uh, are able to apply through the National Screen Institute. So uh, lots of fun stuff coming up with this panel. But first, I want to tell you about some industry news. Ampia and Nate have partnered to develop, uh, to deliver, I should say, continuing education certificate programs. So the Alberta Media Production Industries Association and Nate's Department of Continuing Education have come together to offer two new certificate programs in digital cinema production and immersive technologies and storytelling. The programs will give participants the opportunity to develop their storytelling and technical skills to keep up with the rapidly evolving technology of the media marketplace. The course will be uh, will each be comprised of eight uh, to nine 14-hour modules, which will be offered on weekends beginning in April. Applicants may take one or all modules. So that sounds kind of cool. You can uh, you can kind of just maybe take the uh, the parts that are interested uh, interesting to you. Um, and so that's a, a, an exciting uh, partnership. So uh, if you're interested in learning more about that, you can go to ampia.org. Uh, and so uh, I've kind of already given you all the all the info on the guest. I was hoping to tease it, but I, I told you everything. It's this great panel about the Talent to Watch program. Now, if you don't know. Talent to Watch has definitely changed quite a bit. There are some new rules. Um, they've actually, I would say, uh, released uh, or uh, loosened the rules a little bit, so more people are eligible. Uh, as well, uh, our year, I think there were 18 projects selected through the micro budget. This year, with the Talent to Watch, there's going to be about 50. 
So uh, there's lots of uh, lots of opportunity for Alberta filmmakers, and I certainly hope that you're going to get your application in um, because we should uh, we should show tel- t- uh, Telefilm that we are uh, an up and coming community here in Alberta, and we've got lots uh, lots of stories to tell and lots to say. So lots of applications coming their way is a good thing uh, from Alberta. So uh, here it is, a panel uh, with a bunch of great people all about the Talent Watch program. Uh, good evening, everybody. My voice is not amplified. There's a reason for that. Uh, these microphones are here for the Alberta Filmmaker podcast, not to help your hearing. So if you can't hear me, please uh, wave. We just turn on the Excellent. machines now. Perfect. So it's just very strange to hold a mic without... Yes. Yeah. Uh, I'm holding mine because rather than sit into the table, I'll probably just speak into theirs. Anyway, enough of the um, preliminaries. My name is Barry Thorson. I'm executive director of the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, You probably all gave up at least three different Christmas party invitations to be here tonight. So we appreciate you uh, coming here. Uh, Eric, thank you, uh, is at the bar there, uh, volunteering to uh, ply you with uh, some cold beer or sodas. There's some snacks, including some uh, donuts but like Cadillac donuts. Uh, compliments of our friends at Fulcrum. They sent a box over this morning, and there's, we have a staff of three, and half the box was gone by the time. So if uh, Nick or I collapse with cardiac arrest, it's because we ate too many of those things today. Uh, so uh, you're here for the, uh, uh, the telefilm Talent to Watch, uh, formerly known as the uh, Microbudget Program. Um, CSIF is one of the partner organizations, uh, which is the uh, channel to get your application to Telefilm. So there's partner organizations across the country. I'm just going to speak as if nobody knows anything about this and starting from the beginning. So if you're nodding and you know this, uh, that's why. Um, But uh, uh, I'll let uh, the other panelists introduce themselves and then um, we'll come back and I'll just give you a very brief overview of, of the uh, the funding program and our role as a society here in Calgary uh, as a partner organization with that program. So uh, over to Scott. Hi, everybody. I'm Scott Westby. Uh, I'm a filmmaker in Calgary, and uh, we're about nine days away from finishing our feature film in Plainview, uh, which went through the, oh God, 2016 uh, micro-budget program. The end. I'm Cameron McGowan, a local filmmaker. Uh, we were a recipient of the micro-budget funding, which is now, what's it called again? Talent to Watch? Yeah. Talent to Watch program uh, for the feature film The Valley Below. And I think that was the first, yeah, that was the first, first intake. Year, yeah. Was that 2014 or 2013? I think it was 20, you must have filmed in 2013. Long time ago. Long time ago. It was like a long time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, a bit's changed, but I've stayed apprised of what uh, has kind of changed, and Scott knows all of the big changes, so. You know them now, too. We'll go through the big changes together. Yeah. I'm Kevin Dory. I wrote in plain view that got made through the 2016 micro-budget program, and everything else Scott already told you, so we'll start with everything else. Everything else. Okay. <laughs> uh, and please don't be shy. If you get thirsty, just walk up and quietly get another drink uh, throughout the evening. We'll, uh, when we're finished, there'll be time to network and chat, um, and obviously lots of time for questions afterwards. However, if it's all right with fellow panelists here, if you have questions that are coming up during this, I think it's okay to ask because 
sometimes it's not easy to remember what you wanted to ask later. So, um, so we'll just keep it very free flowing at that point. And I will repeat uh, your questions uh, into the mic so it can be picked up by the podcast. Oh, you're smart. Yeah. Well, Matt's smart because he told me to do that. Oh, Matt's. <laughs> I'm second smart. Uh, okay. So uh, the uh, the micro budget. The Talent to Watch program uh, is, is a, uh, a national program through Telefilm, but uh, there are partner organizations across the country. Uh, we basically do the heavy lifting uh, to receive your applications. They go through a partner organization, a designated partner organization, and then we select, I believe this year we can send two. Is that right, Nick? Uh, previous years it was we selected one project to Telefilm, um, along with all the other partner organizations across the country, and then Telefilm uh, selected anywhere from 18 to 25, give or take, depending on their funding per year, of the projects that were submitted from the partner organizations. Each partner organization has uh, some uh, additional uh, requirements or stipulations on who is eligible over and above what Telefilm says. Uh, we're pretty consistent across the country. If you are a member-driven organization like CSIF, then you need to be a member. Uh, of the three principals on your project, principals meaning a writer, director, and a producer, um, at least uh, one of them has to be a production member for at least six months here at CSIF in good standing. Um, and uh, the other two uh, should be uh, production or associate level members here. Um, there is one change uh, from Telefilm this year with the uh, the rebranding to Talent to Watch. Um, they're recognizing that, uh, and they're absolutely right, there's not a lot of training in uh, from our organizations for producers. Uh, we can certainly do a lot of training for uh, screenwriting and uh, and helping you with direct and, you know, as you make your films. But uh, there's a bit of a gap there for knowledge for uh, emerging producers. So Telefilm is not as stringent on that producer role having to be a member of the organization. Keep in mind, it is uh, emerging talent that they're wanting to support. So don't call Spielberg to get him to produce your project with two junior members on the team. So uh, that's, uh, that's one big change. A second big change, uh, uh, that's a, a positive change. And another positive change is that they want to fund more projects. So they're putting more money to this and I believe they're committed to funding 50 uh, every year from across the country. So uh, that increases uh, your chances because last year I think it was 18 or when your year, so was, year was 18. 18 yeah, I think last yeah. year was about the same. Or so was like 11 or 12. Yeah, that's a lot. Quick question. Do we know how many partner organizations there are across Canada? There's lots. I was looking at, uh, if you want to bring that up, Nick, if you've got their website. there was um, At least in 2016, there was not more than 50. Not they, more than fifty. They've added some this year, though. Yeah, they? there's yeah. Uh, there's schools and there's uh, co-ops like ours. Um, if you scroll through this, uh, we don't certainly don't have to count them. So AFCOOP uh, is similar to us in uh, in Halifax, but um, Canadian Film Center, Cinevec. So a lot of the uh, member-driven organizations like CSIF, Cineworks. Um, and then uh, Fava up in Edmonton. This is like four per Is page. anybody counting? <laughs> nine pages times nine five? Nine pages times five, yeah. So it times could be... Four. Times four? That's four. That'd be 45 organizations. So close to 50. 
That's crazy. If yeah. each, or, if each uh, partner organization is submitting two, then you know the math kind of works out in the same. But uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's also worth noting that um, it, I think it's two per stream. Is that right? Like as far as like indigenous and for French language. If you are uh, a partner organization that is uh, submitting uh, different streams, then yes, right. But we are strictly just uh, yeah. as a member organization for uh, members. Um, there is an indigenous filmmaking stream and. There's a there's a foreign language stream and That's and right. a web a web series or a web what's Matt help what's the other what's the third one fourth yeah. one yeah right yeah but there's also like a digital version of the main component yeah, yeah I think you can apply you know, right okay so CSIF is strictly just a uh, a, a member uh, there's we're not the indigenous stream we're not the uh, foreign language stream and we're, we're just what we've always been. Historically, if you wanted to apply through the uh, French or foreign language stream, FAVA has that stream open. Uh, and if you wanted to go through the indigenous one, on-screen Manitoba would be your route there. It may have changed with new partner organizations coming on. I'm not sure. So you might want to check into that. Are yeah. you given the option to submit for the other streams as well? Or do they give you what streams you're in according to the, the type of organization you are? Yeah, that question has come up from some of our members as well. Um I think it's safe to say you should only submit one application. Uh, but uh, if you are an Indigenous filmmaker, I would recommend you go through an Indigenous stream because your chances would probably be higher uh, than uh, than going through us. Um, but that's ultimately a question I think that Telefilm is going to have to answer. Uh, and there's there will be enough time. They haven't put a deadline yet they haven't announced when the deadline is when the application deadline is so they can be asked these sorts of questions i'm a foreign language indigenous filmmaker wanting to do digitally how should i submit and they can say you know what based on what we've done in the past your Just best send it straight to trudeau here. yeah yeah <laughs> question is uh, is the foreign language uh french or any other foreign language I believe it's any language. Do you know, Nick? Yeah. Yeah, Nick is assuming it would be a foreign language. French being an official language in Canada, I can't see a national funded film development company considering it a foreign language. So that's a good bet, but we can confirm with Telefilm directly. That's a total number, yeah. 50, yeah. 50 is the total. Yeah, absolutely. Correct. Yeah, they don't. They don't put a a, a limit or an allocation on. Yeah, yeah. quota is a better word. Thank you, everyone else in the room, but me. For those of you <laughs> listening on the podcast, the question was fifty total, um, and do we know if it's uh, broken down by how many per indigenous per foreign language? No, we don't. It's uh, fifty total through all the streams. Do keep in mind they are a government organization, so we'll have their own internal quota that they won't publicize. Pretty much, right. right. Off the record. Unofficially. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Berkeley. It still needs to be their first feature. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to repeat the question first. Uh, so the question was, uh, can we elaborate on how much experience a producer can or cannot have to be eligible? Um, so go ahead, uh, Cam. 
I was asking Scott. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, the rules are you cannot have produced a feature before if you're applying as a producer. You cannot have directed a feature before if you're applying as a director. And you cannot have written a feature before if you're applying as a writer. Uh, for many years, after someone broke the system, um, <laughs> they actually said if you've produced a feature before, you cannot apply as a director or a writer. Same for director, same for writer. You can't have done any of those three, but this year that rule is changing. So you could have directed a feature and are producing. Right, exactly. As a director. If you have. They can't have produced as yeah, a Yeah, you basically can't be doing it for a second time. That's, yeah. Even the producer. If the director, correct. Yeah, every all three of those main roles, it must be their first time in those main roles in a feature film capacity. But then you play musical chairs because the director can have a feature film as a director right. and then produce. Or the writer could have produced a feature film, but they can still submit as the writer. Which I think is a good is a good change. It's great. Yeah. Because then you're gonna have the experience to know how to pull it off. Is that clear, Berkeley and everybody else? Okay. Yeah. Musical <laughs> chairs. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Um, but as far as like how much experience is the right amount, you also must have uh, done at least a short film before. Um, and I think realistically, the more experience you have, the better. Because not only is it about requirements, but it's also about what other teams you're up against. Right. So if you have more experience and you can prove that you're going to be able to deliver on all these things that you're talking about, you're just going to be set up better for success. Which is a good difference between the term emerging and newcomer. Right. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Seth Williams. Yeah. Can the writer and director be the same person? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And they should be. I think, I think Matt should have written plain view. Would have been way better. <laughs> <laughs> Matt saying there's someone who was successful and was all three. Yeah. Was that Corey? The Jewish web series. I don't know what that one. I don't remember. No. Yeah, that's it. You burn all three musical chairs in one for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, yeah. So that's a uh, a brief overview. Again, we don't uh, we have we don't have the deadlines yet, but it's usually March ish, February. It's February. It was February last year. Yeah. Yeah. Our deadline was February, and then I think Telefilm we had a, a we wanted to have a, enough time to jury. We select through jury uh, selection process, so we just need time to put that together, get all everything in, and then so we can meet the Telefilm deadline. So uh, if you're wondering who that is, that's uh, Nick Haywood. He's the production director at CSIF. He stick handles uh, that side of things with uh, with telefilm. So uh, I'll repeat, the uh, whatever the telefilm deadline is, uh, you can anticipate uh, our CSIF's deadline to be about a month prior to that, give or take. It, it, they extended it last year, so we extended, and we'll ex- you know extend that courtesy again. If they push theirs, then we'll give some breathing room back to everybody as well. But uh, we do need time to make the best choice possible. In our year, we were submitting, I think it was February 5th or 6th that we were hitting that button. So, yeah, we'll see. Submitting to the CSIF. Yes, so uh, you have to go through one of the other partner organizations. There's no direct line to Telefilm. Right. So, uh, yes. 
Uh, once we get the uh, information, the question was, will we put out an announcement when the deadline is? I hope so. Yes. Let's yeah. say it was last I'm, week. I'm going to quickly interject, though. The deadline should just be the absolute last day that your project is ready. Yeah. If you want to make a movie, start working on it now or a year ago. Yeah, that's that's why that's why we hold these sessions in December, because if we held them when the announcement came out, we'd basically be talking about the following year. So it's, yeah, if, if you haven't started anything yet, uh, don't go to bed tonight. <laughs> yeah, because you got a lot of work to do. In terms of, uh, oh, sorry, the question was, are there any criteria around your previous short work? Yeah. Uh, in terms of content, festival playability, length, yeah. uh, I think they just want to see that it got finished and that other people other than your family watched it. <laughs> we didn't have that, though. Our stuff had been finished, but but we don't, we didn't have a festival... Yeah run in our, with our shorts or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, so we can give tips for the actual application package. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll go that through that, I think, after, later, yeah, after yeah. this. Yeah. Hi. How is Emerging defined? Um, I think they define it as, as a filmmaker with a demonstrable level of experience that has not done a feature in that capacity yet before. So... I feel like there's that there's a pretty clear-ish middle ground there. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're if you're just walking off the street and you you know you've never held a camera in your life or written a screenplay before, you're you're I don't think you'd be considered emerging. I think you'd be considered new. But if you've made a few features, then obviously, no longer emerging. So yeah. To clarify for me and for everyone else, the the. Fund is not simply for features, though, right? Last year when we went through, there were web series, there were other types of projects yeah. as well. Is that the same this year? Yes, for, uh, that's my understanding is there's still a digital component. And, and what it amounts to is you make 90 minutes-ish worth of content, and it can be released online. So um, the, uh, the French language uh, film during our year that got made was actually a web series called Abigail and the Dating Coach. Uh, and they are a, a web series, not a not a feature film. Same length of content. Okay. Yeah, that is kind of how it worked out in our year too. Well, there weren't even web series our year. I think that's a relatively new thing. It's kind of new, yeah. But I think they're just trying to open it up and broaden the scope of what is possible through this program, I guess. For everybody listening to the podcast going, oh my God, great answer. What was the question? Oh, that is a great question. <laughs> question was, uh, there's an emphasis on the telefilm website uh, for feature films. Uh, and the question was, uh, is it mostly feature films? How is there a breakdown between feature films, web series? So the answer was, for the most part, they're looking to produce uh, or help get features produced and support those projects. But they do support web series as well. How much of one versus the other? That's a question for Telefilm to answer. Uh, it's back to you. Go ahead. So the question just about the uh, the budget numbers has that changed as well with the new branding of Talent to Watch? Previously, it was two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars. Scott, as a producer, do you want to? Yeah, that's that? um, that's pretty that's a pretty key piece of information. Um, the answer is no. The cap on the budget is two hundred fifty thousand um, dollars, and Telefilm does not give you that full amount. Telefilm gives you one twenty plus seven thousand five hundred that must be used towards a digital marketing specialist. Um, and that that seventy five hundred digital marketing must be included in your two fifty cap. You cannot spend two hundred fifty thousand and one dollars. Correct. Correct. You cannot. No. You're so. So the question is, how does the Alberta Media Fund play into all this? And that becomes part of the financing structure that gets you to two fifty. 
from the 120 that they give. So if you say my budget's 250 and you go to the Alberta, oh man, it's not called the Alberta Production Grant anymore. The screen-based production grant, um, and they kick in. Let's say for for ease of math, 30 percent. That's about 70 grand. So now you're up to 220 or one. Oh help, <laughs> 200, and then 50,000 comes from uh, Uncle Joe or wherever you can find it at other grants if you if you've got access to them. Yeah. That is kind of for your own benefit as well, because once you go over two hundred fifty thousand dollars, you'll need a full audit of your production. It's over two hundred. It's over two hundred now. Yeah, keep it under two hundred then, because yeah, you spend the, the, the other fifty on the audit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the cap is still two fifty. Yeah, um, as it should be, I think. Uh, there was one more question over here, and then maybe we should give our other side of our brain a chance to watch uh, what a successful application looked like. And I would say still kind of looks like maybe, maybe, no, I don't know. But yes, question is a uh, feature film, uh, documentary versus uh, a narrative feature. Yes, I would, I would think so. Uh, yes, I don't know. Documentaries, yeah. yeah, documentaries have been awarded. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. and filmmakers in the past have been disqualified for applying because they had a feature documentary under their belt. So I don't think telefilm really distinguishes between the two. And again, I don't think they have, uh, we are going to, of the 50, so many are going to be documentary. So many are going to be narrative. They don't get into that. But the answer to the question is, yeah, you can apply with a feature length documentary provided you haven't made one before. Okay. Got in the weeds there a little bit, but that's good. Uh, okay. Let's, uh, um, I just kind of want to chat a little bit about um, where this program comes from because I think that's really important to consider what Telefilm is looking for when you're applying. Um, because a lot of a lot of us, myself included, see this as an avenue to get uh, your movie made, which is absolutely true. But um, if you take into account why this fund exists, um, it, you can kind of cater your application so that you're speaking the language that Telefilm wants to be hearing. Uh, Cam, you probably know the story as well as me or better about why this program became a thing. Yes. So huge budget cuts by the conservative government to the telefilm fund pretty much eliminated the middle class filmmakers. So those people making between three to eight million dollar pictures weren't getting funding anymore. So there used to be a certain crop of filmmakers who would get money from telefilm no matter what. And I think it was like a 20 percent budget cut from... uh, Stephen Harper. Uh, so they eliminated mid-budget, and they had no idea, they being Telefilm Canada, which is a government organization. They had, this was all was happening during um, new distribution streams, Netflix, iTunes, streaming services, you know, when people stopped paying for movies. Uh, and so there was no longer a foreseeable way to make money. So what Telefilm wanted to do was send the younger generation off to see like canaries in a coal mine, to see what <laughs> what other distribution opportunities could exist that they hadn't thought about being an old bureaucratic organization. And so that was for the first intake. Uh, it was like, oh, all, all these uh, these kids can make movies for ten uh, for $100,000 on their iPhones. Like, why are we giving these people $3 million? And um, I think they're beginning to see why. It's like, I mean, uh, not all of these micro-budget movies have been very successful, but... Um, but now there's a great Globe and Mail article about why they've opened up the funds to talent to watch. If no one's read it, you definitely should. 
because uh, Matt Johnson, the filmmaker behind The Dirties, and uh, what's the other one called? Project Avalanche, is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, Nirvana, the band of the show. Um, he's a bit of a loudmouth when it comes to bureaucratic funding, and he... He, he made had a, a strong ruckus. opinion, yeah. Yeah, he had a, made a strong opinion. Yeah. And he had an article that got shared more than anything Telefilm had ever been involved in. So they said, let's work with this guy. So now he's made, he, he had a dinner with Niv Fishman, a very uh, famous Canadian producer, and Carol, the head of Telefilm. Well, I think she's resigning now. Uh, oh, you know more than me about this. Yeah. They uh, mean, he's like, how about instead of doing 10 to 20 micro budgets, you do 50 to maximize the the shotgun blast essentially of sending out all these young filmmakers to try to find out how to make money in this industry. And so that's, this is the first year. And I honestly think this might be the only year doing 50. Yeah. Micro budgets. That's good. That's it a good. seems like a beta test. So it's like, get your projects in. Cause if there's 40 some odd organizations that are putting forth projects, there's going to be pretty much one from each organization that gets funded or two in a couple. And so it's like your chances of getting $120,000 are pretty high right now if you get put forward by the CSAF. I think that's why the room is full tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for derailing it, though. But no, yeah, no, no, that's, that's actually that's actually a good point because uh, it's, still, it's still very much that canary in a coal mine situation. Um, and what that means is um, your application is not just a script. In fact, Telefilm doesn't even read the script. <clears throat> Admittedly, they don't. CSF, uh, the jury at CSF will read the script. But um, what Telefilm wants to see is a rock-solid distribution and marketing plan. Self-distribution marketing plan is what they originally... like Because we were the first year to do it, and all the emphasis was on self-distribution, online distribution, targeting your own fan base. And they still definitely want that, but what happened with the Valley Below is that we got into the Toronto International Film Festival. And so once that happens, all these distributors want to buy your movie. And we're kind of lazy and just wanted to make another movie. So didn't follow through on self-distributing our picture. Uh, right. We did with the follow-up of Brazen Age, which was another North Country Cinema feature that was funded under that program. Um, but they want to see that you that you have a fan base, that you know your audience, that you that you know where the film fits in the current market, in the current world. Um this reason can't simply be because you want to make a movie. It has to be why. Because if anyone can make a movie now, so they say, um, it, you need to have a reason to make your movie. So why this one? Yeah. Yeah, and just to reiterate that understanding of your audience, it's it's massively important. It was the first conversation I ever had with Dan Lyon, who's, who's one of the head honchos at Telefilm. It was all about the audience. Who are they? And where are they? And how are you going to reach them? Um We'll go through our application maybe a bit later and I'll show you the marketing plan briefly um, and you can kind of see what that looked like. Just to emphasize that same point, when Matt and I went out to Toronto for a marketing thing, we sat through two days of that getting pounded into our head again and again and again and again. So that's a big, big deal as far as they're concerned. Yeah. Yeah, they just want to see that there's that there are people who will give you money to watch this. More than 10. I have a question. Question from yeah, the question. floor. Question is, what is the criteria for the CSIF jury? Uh, we follow the guidelines from Telefilm. What we're looking for, first of all, is your eligibility. So of the three principal members, whether that's three actual people or two people or one person, uh, are you a production member in good standing here uh, and have been for at least six months? 
Um, are your other uh, key artistic drivers of the project members of CSIF? Um, are you, uh, you know, are you emerging or have you full, you know, do you have five features? There's, you're lo- looking for things to say you're not eligible so that the selection is, everything in the pile is the correct eligible pile. And then that is, once all the eligi- uh, eligibility requirements are met, it is at the discretion of the jury. It's a jury of three. Um, CSIF staff, you know, aside from administering and getting the jury together, does not have any input swaying things one way or the other. We just make sure that all the applications that are before the jury have met our requirements and have met Telefilm's requirements. So if the jury is, you know, leaning towards shoot 'em ups, if they like documentaries, if they're keen on a web series, that all depends. So, and then it becomes a subjective uh, selection process. But it is a jury of your peers, essentially, right? So everyone's kind of on the same wavelength, uh, you know, just by being part of the culture. So, and they're people who are in tune with the market. Um, so definitely have your finger on the pulse in terms of what's being made and what's and, already been made. And they're going to be looking for um, whether you can accomplish making that movie with that budget. Yeah. Because if you haven't made a feature before, um, you'd be shocked at how small two hundred fifty thousand dollars is. Yeah, um, two fifty. Yeah, but keep it at two hundred. So what did I say? Did I say? Oh, I meant to say two anyway. But yeah, so so if you come in with this, you know, oh man, Jean Claude Van Damme, you know, pull no, from no, the old project for sure. Unless yeah. you have a letter from Jean Claude, unless Van you have a letter saying you'll do it for yeah. free. Yeah, which would be sweet. Yeah, that would be, you'd get, but you'd then get that money. If it's like an action movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme, your insurance is going to be crazy. Because <laughs> he's like, 100? <laughs> but try to make sure with the that. jury that we have diversity represented there. Like, it will be of, of three people. So uh, I know last year we had a, you know, a, a seasoned uh, filmmaker who could, you know, sort of look at a project and go, yeah, they can do this. Or no, they're really punching above their weight too much. Uh, we made sure we had uh, a woman on the jury so that it represented uh, uh, a female or, or those who identified as female film directors. Um, and uh, the third part of the jury, do you remember Nick? Right, and a documentary filmmaker. Two features filmmaker. So uh, we try to make it as diverse and as inclusive as we possibly can. Sometimes it gets difficult because a lot of the people we reach out to are involved in projects, so they can't sit on the jury. Yeah, it's a small community for sure. Yeah. Um, and it, it is also worth noting that Telefilm is is aiming for gender parity by 2020 with all the stuff that they're producing and f- funding, so uh, something to note. This year is part of moving forward towards that, yeah. So, uh, I'm not, yeah, they'll definitely be making an effort. It's been increasing, absolutely. Yeah, every year, for sure. Uh, yeah, let's go here and then... So, so the question for Barry certainly would be, because um, <laughs> I'm just going to throw this one off. Uh, Can you repeat it in such a way is, that it's it, a lot yeah. easier for me to answer? Is tell or is CSAF um, considering a kind of a pre-application process where you can find out eligibility before going through the entire putting the application together, like the video component and the and the the microsite? You have to put it in, into a microsite, so there's a lot of um, legwork to be done, and only to find out that you're not eligible later on would suck. I I would like to quickly interject though, is that that sounds like a buying a lottery ticket approach to making a movie. Like it should be that you're going to make this movie 
no matter what, and they want to jump on board. So you should want to have your script ready. You should already know your schedule. You should already have a team. You shouldn't only assemble a team or write a script to apply for this funding because there's many other ways to get a film made. And if Telefilm senses that you're going to make this no matter what, they're going to give you the money. And so if... But by, but by piecemealing it, it's like, well, is it good enough to get the Telefilm funding? No, you didn't like the script? Okay, I'm just not going to make it. There, I don't know. There's kind of a lack you, of... You should have your ducks in a row for this and or any other funding opportunity. So if you go all in for this and don't get it, you still have a base to build on for the next application you're going to yeah, make anyways. Let me plug your podcast right now. The Ice Blue episode, Sandy Summers and Jason Long got rejected three or four times. times before they got the money for that. But it was clear that they were going to make this movie no matter what. And they already had all of those support materials to pitch the movie with. It's possible that I that I phrased the question a little bit improperly. Um, I would say that maybe, and correct me if I'm wrong, that the question was more about like, oh, you're not, you're not, you haven't been a CSIF member long enough. You're just qualified. Like a technical ineligibility or like, let's say your movie's not set in Canada, right? Yeah, I mean. Right. Uh, so I'm going to repeat your question again. Is there any way through CSIF as a partner organization to stagger the application process so before you get in too deep, time, money, love, passion, effort, if you don't have a chance, then don't go any further? Uh, the short answer is no. The elaborate answer is talk to us. Uh, send an email saying, this is what I'm putting together. These are my team members. This is the idea. Am I meeting the eligibility requirements? at the outset. Is this going to be eligible? Is it going to be in that right pile? And we can say, yes, you, as long as you are doing what you say you're going to do and your players are the people you say they are and their standing is good here, then you will be eligible. If your next question is, do you think it's going to win? We cannot answer that. You may be one of like two applications and if both meet the eligibility requirements and there's only two and we got to submit to, then you can get in. If there's 20 in there, then you now are competing against others uh, who also have met the eligibility requirements. Uh, but I will also uh, reiterate what Cam said. If this is a project that you're going to be doing regardless, this is one place to take it. Uh, I know of you know a very, very big project that's just been funded through Project Lab that I think was prepared through Telefilm, micro-budget program, didn't receive that, but it was so ready to go when it came before the project lab jury that it was just, it, it, it was so clear that so much work had been put in. So even if this one doesn't come through, you're that much further ahead for getting your project made elsewhere somehow. Um, but I do appreciate your question. And yeah, it is a big thing. But there's no way for us, for our jury to judge a project based on a script when we're going to be submitting a visual, Right. Because it could say, oh, the script and the budget and everything on paper is looking really good, but can it translate to, and that I think is part of their, their being telefilms, uh, uh, reason for setting up the application process the way that they, that they have. And it's kind of just an unfortunate thing of the grant world is that stuff like that exists where I'm not saying that that would happen in this case, but if your script is not set in Canada, maybe you don't get it for that simple reason. Um, I know that 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 has been a, a thing of telefilms in the past to say, oh, it's not set in Canada. Pass. 
Um, I don't know if that's still the case, but it's just one of those things. It's like applying for an arts grant and, you know, it's, it's a jury of three human beings, you know, is what it is. And then it goes to telephone. So, and we uh, are always happy and have in the past, if we can answer the question, I'll approach telefilm. We'll get an answer in writing from them saying, is this eligible? And if they say, yeah, they're eligible. Great. Still not a guarantee that it may or may not be selected, but at least they can't refuse it on eligibility grounds because I'll have a paper trail that said they put time and effort into this. And we, we forwarded it. So you've got to look at it. But that's, I guess, is sort of the best that, that anyone can expect. Make sense? Uh, can I speak to this? Yeah, if you repeat the question. Yeah. yeah. Did you have Robert before? No, we actually didn't. We, did, we didn't have Robert before. We did have Murray Ord before. We applied with Murray Ord on the application. Um, and we, that, we applied with Gary Burns on the application. Yeah, and I, I feel like that might answer your question a little bit too about eligibility is um, consider bringing in an experienced producer as an executive producer in a mentorship capacity. And maybe they can have a look at the script and say, you know what, cut all this stuff out, set it in Canada. That's a bad example, but it's the example we have here. Um, that kind of stuff. They might help with that. Maybe, maybe um, kind of put those fears at ease. Um, but I, I think it would be silly to not apply with some sort of mentor. I don't know if it's a requirement, but it, it really should be. It just strengthens it. The, yeah, the, it strengthens it. And it gives them, it gives Telefilm and the CSIF um, confidence that you've got someone in the car. Maybe they're not driving, but at least they know how to operate a car. Um, so they can say hit the brakes or, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So long as your application identifies those three principles as emerging, and you can say, and we have Scott Westby as an executive producer in a mentorship role, but, you know, I think you would want to list them as an executive producer. Yeah. yeah. Cause it does get a little bit weird if they're, cause, cause then telephones going, okay, who's actually doing the work Yeah, right here. Yeah. And what would their ownership be? Or yeah. if you're paying them? Yeah. Are you we paying just them? use the title of mentor for, Oh, cool. With Gary. Yeah. Yeah. We used to use executive producer with, with Murray. Um, and then when we got the money, we went, Oh shit, we don't know what we're doing. Uh, and then we went and asked everybody in, in Calgary and Edmonton, how do we make a movie? And then Cuffley was one of our stops. And he said, bring me in as a mentor and and thank god we did but yeah murray murray was was critical in getting it getting us past this telephone barrier yeah matt yes uh matt uh for your own podcast later <laughs> you can probably just dub in your voice but said uh csif is here to help you with gear rental uh it's it's dirt cheap we have the facility we can you know help you get your project ready to go uh as much as uh you know and we would any other member on any project. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. Berkeley with one finger in the air. If this is any consolation for you, the jury is not uh, invited until the applications are all in. But I'm, but I'm, right. But I guess what I'm saying is it's, it's kind of a, an impossible thing to say, will the jury like this? I don't know. I don't know who the jury is. I mean, yeah. Sure. Right. So I guess my recommendation would be, like, don't think of the jury at CSIF, but think of Telefilm, because they finally are the ones who are going to make a decision. Make sure you're aligned with whatever information they're providing. Um, 
And if you have three ideas and, you know, one of them is going to be like right up their alley and two of them are going to scare the hell, hell of them out of them, then do the one that's right up their alley because that's what we're also going to be doing. We don't want to submit something that they're going to go, oh, God, gross. What are those Calgary people thinking? That's terrible. We don't want to produce this. We want to solve their problem as much as they do. And their problem is funding emerging filmmakers. So we're all going to be working together to do that. So, you know, honor your own project, be true to yourself as an artist, but know who your audience is. And the CSIF is a smaller version of telefilm. And if you're aligned with them, then you will be aligned with us. There's going to be, you know, personal preference and choice, but that's why there's three people on the jury and not just one. That's why there's diversity on the jury so that there is a jury discussion and perhaps a uh, an arm wrestling match to say no. And I've sat on juries before, not on this one, but you do get down to, I vehemently believe in this project and here's why. And if you can do that, then that's in your favor. But who knows what that project is going to be or where it's going to come from. Just breaking into the uh, this conversation briefly, everyone, to tell you about the Calgary Film Center, which, as you know, it's a world-class screen-based production facility, and it's suitably equipped to service your production uh, and, and so that you can produce that production with great ease. Uh, and you do that by using their 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces. Uh, and all that is complemented by, right next door, right across the parking lot, William F. White, Canada's oldest and largest provi- provider of fe- uh, professional motion picture, television, digital, and theatrical production equipment. And at the Calgary Film Centre, they aim to deliver uh, production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects in a purpose-built venue designed to service individual client needs as well. The Calgary Film Centre delivers programs to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry. I can tell you guys, of course, that they are here to help. Um, obviously, the fact that they've come on board as a sponsor of this podcast uh, is one of many ways that they are trying to reach out to the local community and uh, be there to help uh, filmmakers here in Alberta, not just international or Hollywood. Obviously, we want that to happen as well. But the Film Centre is about uh, helping the local community as well. Uh, and they're proving that all the time. So don't be afraid to reach out to them. Uh, give them a shout. See what see what you can do about uh, if you've got a project. Maybe you can shoot it there. They're open to that conversation. And you can always find out more at calgaryfilmcenter.com. Let's get back to the Talent to Watch discussion. And just, oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. Just to piggyback off of what Scott said earlier is that it's about the whole package. Like, it's like with a certain kind of script, without knowing who's attached, you you don't know if they can pull it off, right? Like if I wrote a war movie for my micro budget and it shows on my resume that I made three short war movies that played Sundance or Cannes or something, they'll be like, okay, this person knows they can make a war movie for $120,000. But if you don't have the whole package yet or how you're, or justifying how you're going to make it or who's involved or how you're going to try to sell it, like the, the script, it doesn't really... It doesn't like it's just the smaller piece of the bigger package because again it's it sounds really dumb but telefilm straight up does not read the scripts like you don't send the script it's they they trust that the script was good enough to get to them but they want to see how you're planning on selling it how you're going to make it for one hundred twenty thousand dollars because again one hundred twenty thousand dollars 
isn't actually like it sounds like a lot and it is a lot believe me like we were so happy to have that movie uh, sorry that money for our movies but when you start spending it you're like oh jesus christ like i'm really glad we laid out or we bullshitted how we were going to do this because now we got to do that because it's like it's a very daunting task with a very small amount of money and so they look at the package like what's the director's reputation where have they screened um is they, they don't care about the script but What's the thematic nature of the script? Is it a torture porn movie? Because they probably won't want to fund that. Unless maybe it's a subversion of the torture porn genre or something, right? They want you to justify why you're making it and how you're going to sell it. So the script is only one tiny piece. Like, I don't, I don't know how many of the... I'm not going to say our... I'm not going to say all the scripts aren't great, but I don't think it's the most important piece of the puzzle. I think it's can you do it? Because good is subjective, right? Like in terms of the script. But if you can finish it and you have an audience and a proven track record for that genre or type of movie that you prove with the rest of the package, then I think your chances are much better, I guess. Does that make sense? I kind of went yeah. all over the place there. And how many rewrites did you do after In Plain View got... How many did we do after we got funding? Yeah. Many. <laughs> and yeah, we, large we, rewrites. We too. gutted it really after we got the money. When we yeah. got this money for the script, or when we got money from Telefilm, the script was 95 pages. Uh, rewrites eventually took it down to 72, and then the script we shot was 78. So 20% of the movie came out after we found out what our funding was like, what our schedule was going to be like. Just to piggyback on what you guys have been saying, if I can, though, in terms of being concerned about what your project is and how the script is going to appeal to the jury or not. When Matt and I went to Toronto last year with all the teams for the marketing uh, seminar, we were quite surprised at the diversity of, of the projects and kind of felt, at least I did, I don't know if Matt agrees, but that ours really stood out as being not like the other things. Like we were <laughs> very mainstreamy and everything else had very niche things, very specific target audiences and stuff, many of which our film would have no way to be interesting to those people. So they were... the. The scope of the project was far and wide, so being concerned about what the subject material is, is is something is not the way to come at it. There are many, many, many different groups that are going to be targeted by the many, many, many projects that are going to be given funding. Right, because the cliche is that in Canada we only fund like um, nude ballets in the snow or something, right? Or you know, you kind of know what people think of Canadian cinema, but like, what's the pitch for your movie? <laughs> what? Well, What's yeah. the pitch? Yes, thank you. It's nude ballet, and yeah, yeah. What's the pitch for? Well, our movie was is a, a it's a crime film. It's like guns, and it it was so non-Canadian. To to put some perspective on it, so this script that we shot went through another program that existed once upon a time called the Praxis Center for Screenwriters Fellowship Program, which Telefilm also sat in on table reads and stuff like that. And again and again and again through the whole process of that, I kept hearing from Telefilm how this would never get made because it wasn't a Canadian movie. And we ended up making it as a Canadian movie <laughs> yeah. through telefilm. So things are going to change. Perspectives change. You put out what you have and you show them that you know what you're doing and that you have a vision. And that's the important thing. Well, it, am I misinterpreting the discussion? Like it's, It seems like you have a grave concern about whether or not your project is something that's going to be acceptable to the board and they'll be interested before you put in the time. If the project's important to you and you believe in your project, then you put in your application and if you fail, you go to the next one and you find the project or the right stream that's right for your project. Yeah, I think my concern is more that um, I'm visiting every person's script. Like, I'm not going to be able to 
some logic that has some information that automatically sort of disqualify it. Would we know that if we only introduce that hundred results and how will we Yes. I think, I think Barry did answer that though. Yes. He said no. Yes, he said no and yes come to me. But then we got off on some more Many information. Tangents, yeah. Question up front? Yeah, we were we're going to show Scott's. They don't, pitch. but yeah, our we've we've ported our microsite application onto our own webpage in a hidden URL that we will share today, <laughs> uh, and then you can just write it down and take that home with you and watch it all. I don't think so. No. No, they'll clo they'll close those sites because then it'll spoil the project, right? Because it's going to be another year before you even see the movie. And in that pitch video, it's supposedly going to be all-encompassing. So why would you watch the movie if you're like, oh, that's what happens and that's who they want to sell it to? But if you – filmmakers' email addresses are extremely easy to find, or they should be. As a film festival programmer, make your email extremely easy to find. Put it on your Vimeo page. Put it on your Facebook page. You're going to get spam anyway. There's nothing to be afraid of. Um, and if someone wants to steal your money, they're going to anyway. Like – Let's embrace the chaos, folks. But uh, but you can email any past recipient, and they will probably send you their pitch video if you're really nice about it. Yeah, and so I honestly think outside of your marketing plan, that pitch video is going to be your most important part of the application. And I don't know how many of y'all get bombarded with StoryHive, please vote for me requests. I'm always shocked when they just use like the internal mic on the camera or their webcam mic. It's like you're trying to tell people you know how to make a movie. You don't even have a microphone. It's like, like th yeah. this is your own, the only video footage you're showing telefilm is this pitch video. So get your previous work in there, the coolest, sexiest shots. Light the hell out of your talking head thing. Make sure the audio is good. Make sure the editing's good. The tempo and pace are good because that's like if you can't make a pitch video how are you going to make a feature film so that the pitch video is definitely the most important part in it my is, opinion. it's the only way to show yeah. as well as tell yeah. yeah i think ours was free yeah yeah so the question is can you use a free website service instead of buying a domain and, and all that yeah, yeah and i think the wix trials like 30 days so and then eight bucks after that i don't know yeah not too bad that's probably fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm sure there's some po podcasts who have like uh, three months free of Wix or Squarespace or something with a coupon code or something. Do we have that? I don't know. No, we don't have that. That's a good sponsorship idea. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would definitely. But again, the website's that. another part of the presentation. Yeah, that's exactly right. And as a self-distributor, like, again, they want to see that you are savvy with the market. So... They want your website to look good too. They don't want like a GeoCities page unless you're embracing a 90s kitsch idea. Uh, they want it to be slick as well. They want the whole package to be slick so that they can sign that check and know that it's in good hands and won't just be embezzled. Though a part of it probably will be. Or wasted. <laughs> embezzled. Hi at the back. Where to start with the marketing plan? Is the yeah. I mean, a lot of, a lot of what they're looking for is, is um, not necessarily uh, get having a distributor's buy-in when you when you approach them, but rather a, these are the distributors we would approach with this. I mean, if you can have a distributor on board, that's amazing. I, th I think that'd be awesome. Yeah. Again, I don't know <laughs> if they're still trying to... Um, but yeah, they're focusing focus on... on the self-distribution methods. It's, so. Yeah, they're not... They haven't, they haven't gone as hard on self-distribution, but I know that that's a big thing for them because that's the point of this, right? It's to try new distribution models. 
So if you're coming to them and you're saying Universal is on board, you know, they're going to distribute this movie, uh, you know, a DVD in Walmart, they're going to go, no, like, well, I don't know if they'll say no, but why do you need us? Right? So your distribution plan should be something different that breaks the norm. That's really what they want. Like what? This might like be what? this might be a good segue what? into Which? watching your yeah okay let's yeah yeah let's go into our microsite watch your pitch video let's watch it so let's because watch. you have you have you also with that you have a marketing plan yeah there's and we'll put we'll all that pull together. up the marketing plan you can have a look at it so if you're listening whether you're in the room or not you can go to Matt can I share this with the podcast audience <laughs> let's email us for it give them yeah, one yeah, email step. yeah you have one to email buffer. us. You have to email us if you want this, but we will share this URL. So uh, uh, before we open the video, Nick, let's just show what the website looks like here. Um, so if you are here, you can look at the URL up top there and write that down if you want to refer to this later, because there are links to check out every single document that we applied for. Our budget, our marketing plan, our resumes. Um, so just write it down or, or email us and we will send it to you. So uh, the website was black when we applied because it wasn't in our subdomain. Anyway, long story short, this is what it looks like. Um, wordmark, pitch video, let's keep scrolling. Uh, we had a, a lookbook that Matt made, which is not a requirement, but uh, we can just peek into that a little bit, just what the film's going to look and feel like. Brad, our DP, his reel, um, some of our past work, our CVs, including Alex Mitchell, who ended up not being on the project. Um, Synopsis, director's vision, the script itself, uh, the production schedule, the marketing plan, the budget from you know financing structures. These sold, some of these were requirements. In fact, most of them were. Um, letters of support were not, but those are really smart to have. Um, Jason Long was our story editor. He, you know, he's a he's a an experienced screenwriter. So to have his voice being like, yeah, you know, I'm going to help them with their script. Murray's an experienced producer to say, yes, I'm going to help them produce this. Um, Michael Miner, who's the co-creator of the original RoboCop, who, who helped Kevin through the script back at Praxis. These are just attachments, right? They're things to glob on your project to give it legitimacy. Um, and that's why those are there. That's, that's the only reason they're there. So yeah, okay, let's go back up. So I mean, this isn't the sexiest website ever made, right? It's not, it's not all that flashy or anything, but it's, it is nuts and bolts. It is easy to digest and look through and find what you're looking for. Uh, yeah, let's play that video. Uh, so if you if you do the math when you watch that, um, I start talking about marketing at about the halfway point. Um, so I think it's like a five minute, four twenty four, four twenty four. Yeah, so it's it's two minutes that's just marketing, um, and the rest is the actual movie itself, which which feels like the most important thing, um, but I don't think necessarily is at this point. Uh, can Great we just, pitch video. Yeah, it was fun. It was fun to make. Um, the the gun to the head thing, um, I think, caught their attention. I think we, we heard back from Lauren that uh, it really stuck out to her. I, I mean, I, I didn't think we, we thought that we were, you know, breaking the mold or doing anything absolutely nuts, <laughs> but they loved it. So it was just an accident. Uh, so, yeah, let's, let's go down the lookbook. This is just a little... Um, yeah, we don't have to watch the whole thing, but just kind of scrub through it there, Nick. Uh, let's, let's stop. They can, they can watch the whole thing. Uh, we don't need to watch it all. You get the gist of it, right? Like cutting from other movies to show what this movie is going to look and feel like um, is a great way to, to demonstrate your vision uh, in a way that people get it. Uh, and then moving right along, Brad's reel you can watch later. It's amazing because he's the best uh, human ever invented. 
this is some of our some of our past work, which is actually not really amazing, um, but it's fine. It shows that we can finish what we start. Uh, moving down, here we go. Uh, I'll keep going just a little bit. The the marketing plan. Let's pull that up. That seems to be a big question mark for people. So yeah, if you go to this URL, you can access all these documents. Um, the the plan there. Oh, yeah, right there. The release distribution and marketing plan. Uh, this. This is where my shadow is, where my shadow is. Yeah. I know, I'm an idiot. So uh, this is a seven page document. Um, it's pretty dense, but the gist of it is um, that we kind of know what we want to do and we're pretty specific about, about it. And uh, we start with our target audience. So you know, we demonstrate that we understand our audience we go into what their career is and what magazines they're reading and what their income is. Um, and this is all stuff that you can find on Google. Yeah, you don't have to make this up. Uh, our secondary audience, yes, you can have more than one, even though these guys are <laughs> kind of the same. Um, what, what is attractive about this movie? The selling propositions. What does our audience actually care about? What are they going to want to watch? Sex, guns, alcohol. Um, and, and what is our release strategy going to be? How are we going to actually get it out? To these people, so yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to get bogged down in the weeds on this, but um, I encourage you to read it uh, and and reach out to to us, info at fullswingproductions.com, and just ask any questions you have. We are happy to help. Yeah. <laughs> any advice on finding someone that's? Yeah. No, there's, there's there's a surprising amount though. There's like, a lot of marketing people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, we lucked out that that I had a that I had a marketing thing. I didn't want to go into marketing, but I I just did for a while. So I was that that marketing strategist on our on our film. Um, but yeah, do you know where last year's application applicants found? Or uh, I don't know. You don't always. Oh, do you need a certain it, it member is, of your team now? To it is a requirement to have a digital marketing? marketing specialist. Yeah, on board. Nice. Um, I think even at the application stage. Well, the, that the Mount Royal program is like pretty damn good. Yeah, for it is quite good. Their and all those students are probably eager to attach themselves to a product because that. Oh yeah, they don't want that person to have a proven track record, but they're going to help. That person's going to help you word the process of how you're going to get it out there. Right. And they're going to know a market and yeah. And it's going to be there. Words yeah. that are going to populate that yeah. document. Plus you also need that resume for the application. So you might as well. And it's going to be their job to do the actual legwork. So yeah, I, I would say Mount Royal, even just reach out to the, the agencies around town and say, Hey, we're putting this application together. Do you have anyone in your team that might want to take this on? Or do you know anybody that would, because it is a $7,500 paycheck. Like it's a, it's not a small job really. Um, I can attest to that. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Off the record. Uh, I have a question for you. Yeah. When you submitted to CSIF, how many pieces of paper did you submit with your application? Uh, we submitted zero pieces of paper. So our submission to the CSIF was, I think it was Kyle who was here. Hi, Kyle. Here's our application. You can click on this link. Uh, and then I was, I, I didn't know what to write. I was like, have a great day. <laughs> so it's all Bye. digital. It's, it's all, all electronic paperless. Yeah. yeah. Important for everybody to know. So you're sending an email with a link 
to a, a website essentially and everything is up there. And a pro tip would be to start um, like a Facebook page and a Twitter profile and Instagram account and a YouTube page for your film now. Even if you can get like 50 people to like it when you apply, throw that in there. Oh, that'd be a, We should have done that. <laughs> Ooh, that'd be nice. A nice touch for sure. Off the record. Well, you're going to want to have certain amount of followers no you wouldn't want yeah to, you want like more want than to, more than 10 i think than, if you could have like 50 that'd be pretty sweet i think that you'd be okay nice yeah um yeah and if you're really stumped just send me an email uh, for marketing people and i'll put my thinking hat on yeah berkeley brady the movie no we're nine days away from finishing yeah so next year it'll be out Definitely on iTunes, but also other places, I think. But I can't really say yet. So, yes, you will be able to watch it. Uh, I just listen to the podcast because we will definitely tell everybody when it's out a lot. Yeah, That'd be part of your marketing plan. That would be part of the marketing plan. You might have even seen it included in the video. Um, so, yeah, it is a lot of paperwork and it's a lot of legwork um, to put an application like this together. Um, but it is a feature film and... and you could do harder jobs to earn $120,000, I guess, if you want to look at it that way. I don't know if that helps, but. Um, yeah, in Canada, we are extremely lucky to have all these arts grants available to us. Whenever we'd go, go to a film festival in the States with our shorts or a feature, like, wait a second. You got that money from your government? <laughs> yep. <laughs> You're communists. <laughs> it's quite nice. So what about the you you um, question is oh the question is do you need to start a bank account uh, what was the other part of that and start a incorporate a company uh yeah so once CSIF chooses which projects they're putting forward um then those go to telefilm but you still have, I forgot to mention we tweaked our application the six days we had after CSIF let us know before the telefilm deadline to strengthen even further once we knew we were the ones uh, that were being put forward. Um, so we actually made the script good. I'm just kidding. It was pretty, it was pretty good. Uh, but then once Telefilm uh, selects you, you were temporarily funded. What's the word they use? I remember oh you guys got God. so scared. You so were like, I, we don't know if we have it. Yeah, they said what you've been you've verbiage? been shortlisted. You've been shortlisted. You're a finalist. You're a, oh, that's what it was. You're a finalist. They say you're a finalist, and that and I I told Scott and Matt, I'm like, that just means you need to open your bank account, get incorporated, and have an accountant. Well, is there a lawyer as well? No, we didn't need an accountant or a lawyer. No, we, we just, did our year. We needed both. No, no, we didn't oh, actually. You just needed a bank account and a corporation. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we shouldn't. We should have got. I think a lawyer they just want to make time, sure though. you're not a criminal because that's uh, exactly what it is. So we, uh, I called them and I said, "What does it mean to be a finalist? Because it seems like, because it was like you're a finalist, and by the way, your movies do one year today, um, and you're not guaranteed to have the money yet. <laughs> so I was like, should we start making a movie or not? And she's like, well, buy the champagne, but don't pop it. So they're basically. Just making sure you're not, yeah, criminal or doing anything shady. So yeah, that's when you would incorporate and start and do a bank account. Don't do it beforehand. It's a bit premature, I think. Yeah. Uh, and put was, the incorporation funds in your budget too. That's kind of, it gets kind of expensive. It's like 300. I think I just spent yeah. three or 500 bucks on it. Yeah. Uh, we just got a question from Olaf and then we'll come to you. Wayne. Oh, what kind of yeah. So the question is, what did we do about unions? Um, why don't you go first? What did you do? For the application, we didn't do anything. Um but afterwards, I, I usually only go Actra. However, uh, Guillaume did step up. But on the feature film that just wrapped up, Circle of Steel, 
Jillian uh, McKetcher's film. That Guillaume, Guillaume is in the room. Is he in the uh, room still? No. I saw, oh, he's oh, he still here. Yeah, they worked. They worked nicely with IATSE and CGC. Yeah. Yeah. Seems they're willing to play ball and um, don't. Did they throw any hidden charges at you, Guillaume? Nope. No, no they hidden did not. charges. Not yet. <laughs> is Tina in the room? Tina's not in the room. I wish I could say this. I'm just this will be no. a podcast. <laughs> just kidding. There's always like a couple actor checks where I'm just like, what? Wait a minute. Where did that come from? Yeah. Um, but afterwards, yeah, all the unions are seeming to want to play ball. And it's, this is yeah, the first absolutely. independent feature where I've heard they've played the, all the other unions other than Actra have stepped up and yeah. actually been much nicer. Oh, that's great. Um, can you re- repeat what he said? So Guillaume, Guillaume has said that if um Obviously, the union's job is to protect their workers, but um, if a producer or a show comes in and they're from the community and they're reputable, um, there are deals to be made. And in, in Circle of Steel's case, there were people on set who needed to get their hours in to get their full union status. And so that was the pool that they were able to pull from. And it also allows somebody who's been like an assistant location manager to become a location manager or a third AD to become a first AD. Um, yeah. So, And I think they're starting to see the value in that now that... Absolutely, Most yeah. of the homegrown productions are of the $150,000 range right now. Uh, we all wish we did have more money, but this is simply the new world. And so uh, I was really excited to hear that those other unions are playing ball because I've always been just too afraid to ask them. I've also been lucky enough that I've come up with the same group of uh, craftspeople for the last 10 years. So they've just gotten good as I've gotten kind of good. I mean, it's, it's subjective. I don't know if my movies are good, but I like, I kind of like them. Um, but, <laughs> um, but I mean, once I heard that, I was like, Oh sweet. Okay. Time to, time to not dismiss working with unions entirely. Yeah, absolutely. You always just hear how hard it is to work with unions and Actra was making an effort to get that stigma out of the discussion. And it looks like um, DGC and I asked you're doing the same, which is like super cool. So I yeah, wish I'd have known that three months ago, but if uh, if Tina Alford, who's the branch rep for Actra Alberta, were here uh, as she was last year, she would say, "Call me. We'll work something out." Yeah. yeah, and that's that's exactly what we did before we sent in our application. We sat down with Actra um, because I had to put the budget together and I didn't know what to do, like right. what what do fringes look like, how much is this going to cost me? And they were, they were awesome. They we just they they were like, okay, it's literally fifteen percent is this much and this is that, and you're going to want a thousand dollars for this stuff and. I was able to build it in my budget. If I'd been smarter in hindsight, it would have been great to get a letter from them to say, we know this guy um, and he's going to have the support of the union basically. And then, so all of our talent uh, was either union or became a permittee when we cast them or, or paid. Yeah. Paid those dues after the fact. Yeah. What's up, Brady? How do you, yeah. What happens if you accidentally crash a van into a human being and now your budget's over two fifty? Yeah. Yeah. Only happened once. It only happened once, yeah. But it was, yeah, we didn't really it like that Matt. person anyway. It was Matt, yeah. He's fine. He's still walking. How's the van? <laughs> Damaged. Um, yeah, it's a great question. Um, the the 250 cap is a great thing for a producer to fall back on when you're just like, sorry, man, we just cannot afford this. But after we shot, I, I had a contingency of, I think, 6%, which is skinny. And I learned that as a producer, if I fuck something up, it's going to cost me $1,000. It's just, I don't know how it worked out, but it always did work out that way. Oh, I forgot to fucking do this. Okay, that's going to be a thousand bucks. So I had six mistakes that I was allowed to make. And I made them all in the first couple of days. <laughs> um, and I think, I think realistically, uh, what we started to do was um, we had our own kind of salaries built into the budget that we were assuming we would just 
defer and that builds the 250. And then we just started chipping away at those, um, which essentially means it's sort of coming out of your own pocket, but it's a way to move the numbers around to make it work. And so our salary now on our, on our budget is, is $1. Um, but the reality is if um, we did have a van and a car that got damaged and uh, it might put us a little bit over. And I think telefilm isn't going to be like, well, give us the money back now that the movie's done because you know, you're a thousand bucks over because you had a, an insurance ding or something like that. I think they'll be understanding. And once you have their money, just keep them updated. Yeah. Just let them know as everything and happens. Yeah. Just and ask it, them, just go, what's going to happen if this, because again, this is, what are they calling the program? Again? New the talent, talent, the talent to watch. Talent to watch. To watch. Yeah. So this is, this is not talent you've already watched. So it's like, right. uh, they're going to know you're going to have these questions coming up. And they know that you're new and you, and you don't know what you're doing. And that's what every single team is to them. Right. And, and the other thing that, that, surprised me even though it really shouldn't was that um these are humans at telefilm and they pick up the phone and they are there to help they're not there to be to be you know this machiavellian here's your money now go make a movie and don't screw up or you're gonna die right it's just like talk to them and, and they're open to these conversations and they're absolutely there to help so yeah don't sweat it let's say one and, piece of advice would be to again not pay yourself as producers or director or the writer if you're all friends and are all making it out of passion i <laughs> We didn't pay ourselves on Valley Below or O'Brazen Age, and I, this new feature, I'm probably going to get like a thousand bucks too. But it's like, yeah, yeah, we didn't pay ourselves either. Yeah, yeah. So, that sucks. Yeah, but then if it makes but it's money, it's our movie. then if it makes yeah. money, you get that money. So that's the other thing about the Talent to Watch program is it is a non-recoupable grant. Yeah, uh, and if you tap into the Screen Production Grant, also non-recoupable, you have a quarter million dollar asset that is yours, which is incredible, and that's just it's it's a miracle. Uh, we had, we had a question from Wayne first in the morning. The money? Oh yeah. When you create a company, do you yeah. put it under a name or a number basically? Yeah. Oh, doesn't look as cool in the end credits though. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, we did. One, one, four, one, seventy three. Alberta. Yeah. Cool. We actually, we incorporated under, uh, in plain view productions incorporated, but then we set up our bank account as in plan view productions incorporated. <laughs> And that just on, caused on a purpose. whole whack of nightmares. <laughs> so double check your spelling. Yeah, that's my learning lesson. Yeah. It, yeah, that cost me a thousand bucks. <laughs> that's the first thing was an I. Uh, yeah. This is why I didn't get paid on Valley Below is that we went slightly over the number that it took to get a uh, review engagement. It's not a full audit. And so then we had to find $7,000 and it's like, oh. Review engagement is like, it's a step below a full-blown audit. It's like an accountant looks at your books and goes, yep, that's good. Trust me, that's okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and they get five to $7,000 for that. And who uh, Alberta Media Fund required that from us. Tele- telefilm required it too, actually. I, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm still yeah, it's the, it's to I'm, I'm a month away. That was a oh, it's different for us. Ours was seventy uh, percent up front, and then thirty percent when you deliver the rough cut. It was a question about the two hundred thousand dollar audit the that was, was mentioned earlier in the podcast, which right. I myself have completely forgotten the context of it all. So, <laughs> those of you listening, rewind and find out, and then hopefully the answer is just like random information. You rewind the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Does it those two arrow buttons that? Oh no! You'll start the whole track again, Barry. No. Oh. <laughs> Did that answer your question? Um, 
So that's something that I didn't, I don't think I had that budgeted in my budget. So don't take my budget as gospel because that was before I made all my mistakes. Yeah, you can get those. We didn't have that in our budget either. You can get those numbers now if you want. Uh, yeah. Just email um, an accountant. I'll be happy to tell you how much money they want. Yeah, for sure. To you. The, other, the other thing that surprised me for surprise costs was insurance. Um, get quotes now before putting it into your budget because that just, I just hate paying insurance. <clears throat> It's the worst because it's money that doesn't go anywhere unless you hit Matt with your van and then you need it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Yay, Matt. Uh, Nina. <laughs> David announced them yet. Yeah, Telefilm uh, has not announced the deadlines. We were hoping to get all that information before tonight, but they said uh, probably before Christmas, which is funny because we'll be. Our office is going to be closed next week for two weeks over Christmas. So. It wasn't before Christmas. No, no, last it's when they'll year. announce the deadlines. Yeah. When they'll announce when the deadlines will be. But uh, if the last couple of years are any indication, uh, sort they, of a late February deadline for telefilm, which means a late January, early February <laughs> deadline for CSIF. Yeah. When, which means you'll probably know mid-January. Like Mid-January. Yeah, it's really tight. Organization. I'd just say start working on it now. Start working on it based on last year's guidelines is really the, the way to go and then tweak if you have it, if you have it ready to go by late january i'm going to go out on a limb and say you're probably in good you're in good position i would target that and that with christmas that gives you about three weeks so good luck oh. uh question is uh how long does it take telephone to make a decision about a project nick what was that after we submitted when did they let us or let they don't really let us know but they let uh people know we found out, uh, April, yeah, April, April May. February. Yeah, I yeah. found with that information it was better to remain ignorant because our company got it once for the Valley Below, and then when we submitted Obrazen Age, the second one that was put forward for micro budget, uh, we used the same estimated deadline and we're refreshing our emails and having anxiety attacks yeah. daily for a good month and a half. So if we, <laughs> yeah, again, it's free money, so it's like try your best to forget you applied. <laughs> But keep that Facebook page growing. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. And then from there, you have a year to deliver, which... Uh, I'll give you extensions. On. <laughs> yeah. Here we are a year and a half later. Yeah. 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 There's not a big number. Like production members who have been... Uh, oh, sorry. Um, the question is, is there a way to uh, access names of production members in good standing at CSIF who you could potentially partner with on your project. Um, and that question comes up quite a lot. So uh, uh, I would just send an email to Nick, production at CSIF. And uh, like we're talking maybe 30, 30 to 40 people who sort of fall into that category of which, you know, not all of them are going to be available or interested in being part of the program, but there may be some who are, you know, got some great directing skills, but they don't have a script or there is a, uh, uh, they need a producer or something like that. So we're happy to help connect you. Um, there's also a, a Yahoo discussion group that is, goes beyond CSIF, uh, but most CSIF members are on it and they will catch that. Um, but, you know, it's also a good uh, part of your, you know, building your chops as a producer is finding people and being resourceful. And we're here to help, but just keep in mind that we're we're closed uh, like next week and back again uh, right after New Year's. So. Yeah, I would tap into the Yahoo group for sure. That's a good. It's a good resource. But only one member of your team needs to be yeah. a member, right? uh, production, production member, member for six months. 
Yes. At so least. It, oh, yeah. does it need to be the director? No. No. It can be any one of the three. That's uh, that's correct. Cool. One of the three needs to be a production member who has been a production member for at least six months. Um, and then the other two, with the exception of the producer now with the new stipulation, uh, but the other two, if they're at least associate members, uh, then that's good. Your producer, if the producer is not a member of CSIF, but still emerging, then that is eligible as well. Right. But uh, the creative drive of the project, you have to be a production member, at least one of you, of, uh, of CSIF, in order for us to consider your application. And if, if that is a huge stumbling block for you, um, or for anybody listening, uh, I would say apply next year and, and become a production member over that year. And, and the, point, the point of that and the reason that Telefilm puts that kind of stuff into their guidelines is because they want filmmakers who are active in the community and working with these organizations to be the ones applying for it. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit about giving back, I think, first. Uh, so something to consider. Um, but as you saw in Scott's application, it was a Voltron of people involved in totally. the project, right? Yeah. Uh, it wasn't just the three people. They had, you know, a mentor. We had Alex. And Alex. Yeah. They had their cinematographer already. Yeah, the more, uh, and I mean, that just adds viability to your project, right? The more the more people that are involved, is, you know, the, the, the ball starts rolling and gets harder and harder to stop. Yeah, that's a great question. The question is, how do you find the rest of the money? Do you have it waiting, just kind of waiting on telefilm or... Do you go hunting after you, you get the yes? What did you guys do? Um, the way we approach things, North Country Cinema is a very small team, and uh, luckily we're all trained in a variety of positions, so we just made it with the amount that they gave us in the first drawdown. Um, and then the extra two or 3000 we needed, we just asked our parents for it. <laughs> um, we only had three sources of financing, Telefilm, the Alberta government, and ourselves. So... Um, the screen, sorry, screen-based production grant help. Yeah, screen-based production grant. Um, historically, as the Alberta production grant, and I believe still uh, requires some sort of proof of distribution platform in in the works uh, before they'll greenlight you to get your thirty percent back. Luckily, with the Telefilm Talent to Watch program, it came with a clause that your film uh, eighteen months after completion must be distributed on the NFB's revenue sharing platform. So we thought that they baked that in to, to make it eligible for, for um, the Alberta Media Fund. They, they were ignorant to that, but it, it triggered it for us. So Telefilm's money kind of by default triggered the Alberta Media Fund money, which brought us right up to 200000 And then the rest was just our deferring our salary and eventually just ending up putting in our own money. However, the typical way to approach that is a lot of bigger productions, like say you're making a TV show for CBC, they won't give you all of your money up front either, but they give you a letter saying that if this gets finished, we will give you this amount of money, and that's usually enough to get a bank loan. Um, we didn't want to bother wasting the time to try to get $50,000 from the bank because we were trying to make our first movie and didn't even know how to do that, let alone get $50,000 from the bank, so just went, fine, our crew is six people. <laughs> we got enough for that. We, we did get 50000 from the bank. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a thing, though. because I didn't know how to do it, so I asked Luke Azevedo, who's the person I ask when I don't know something, and he said, oh, apply, you know, ask the Royal Bank. And so I said, hi, Royal Bank. Uh, Luke, refer me to you. Can I have money? And they were like, uh, no. <laughs> they were like, the, the legal fees alone to, 
to give you a loan for a movie is like $20,000. And by the way, you have to eat all of it. So don't come to us unless you're asking for like a million dollar loan. And I was like, okay, I'll talk to you guys in a couple of years. Um, so we ended up going through the, the uh, BDC, the Business Development Bank of Canada, or I think it's actually a French acronym. Uh, and they were great and they were easy to work with. So, so far. Yeah. Anyway, um, hope that helps. Yeah. Yeah, Brendan. So, so, right. So the question is, would the screen production grants new um, audit sort of like uh, the cap, I guess, that that makes makes it so you're not guaranteed to get it, throw a wrench in the gears of your financing of your plan, financing right? plan? Yeah, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because if you think about it, like the whole the intake period was is are just in case the fund is oversubscribed. And that means that also the 30% that they've specifically set aside for Alberta productions is oversubscribed. That's a ton of money. There's way too much money in there for us to, to spend. Yeah. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it, but I guess, yeah, from a scheduling perspective, it would be a little bit scary at least. Um, but with the new guidelines, you can apply for the screen production grant after you go to camera, which helps. So yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that, but it could, yeah. So Brendan's comment is about ATB and they're, they're getting into that kind of bridge financing for, for filmmakers, uh, in a big way. Um, and I know, yeah. I was going to make a joke about the death of the middle class is helping the artists a bit. I guess. <laughs> like, oh, how do we get more interest back? So the artists. Right. Let's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Who's not poor enough? <laughs> the artists. No, ATB is great. But once you have that letter from Telefilm, it's, it, it will, it, it will makes trigger it so much confidence easier, yeah. in other third party organizations. Yeah. But this is all once you've gotten the money, the money. So does, um, I don't know. Should we bring it back to how to get yeah, money? Yeah. Um, do we have more questions? Yeah. So the question is, do you put unknown sources of financing in your financing structure? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, there it is right there. Holy smokes. Did you? Yeah, because most most provinces do have a kickback like this. Yeah. So everyone will build it into their financing plan. Yeah. Um, and it accounts for a, a large portion of the budget. And, and this is something that uh, I messed up on big time. So I've got this Canadian film tax credit, which is uh, up to 15% of your budget. Um, no, not for this, not for this, because they don't count public money as investment. So it ended up, we would only get like, God, I think it was like 9,000 or something from that tax credit. And it also comes with its own bunch of criteria that costs up to like five. So we did not go for it at all. And with an error like that, they still got the money. They still got the money, even though, yeah, this is like, this is ridiculous how like that's a $35,000 mistake <laughs> right there. So, I, I think there's like, like an unwritten understanding that it's like, Oh, these guys don't know what they're doing. Filmmakers yeah. with enough money will finish the movie for their own career. Yeah. It's like, well, it, literally I could see someone at telefilm reading this and going, Oh man, they're going to find that money somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. We presented this. This is exactly what went to telephone. Oh yeah. They didn't say anything about it. I didn't learn about it until we talked to Cam on our big "What do we do" tour. <laughs> yeah, he said your your uh, Cavco is not gonna not gonna come back to you. You're not gonna be happy about that situation. And I went, "What?" Yeah, that was like 35 mistakes in one. That was yeah. That was all my contingency. No. Yeah, that was a big mistake. It's an indication, however, of you know you saw their pitch, you saw all the credentials of everybody. I don't know if Telefilm has a jury. I don't think they do. I think it's no. their staff that sit there and go, fuck, this is a great project. Look at this movie. 
How's their budget? Oh, I think it's fine. Yeah, okay, great, good. Move on. Yeah. Green light. They, yeah, they see it as low risk. They really do. Yeah. Um, so Yeah, and Telefilm West has a staff of three to five people. And yeah. so like they're not gonna comb through it with a fine tooth comb. They're just gonna make sure it checks the boxes, whatever the mandate is for them that year, which is constantly changing. So I I mean it. If you do have a chance, seek out Lauren Davies when she comes to the Calgary International Film Festival. She always has like a meet and greet session because um, once once she knows you, she can help steer you to the types of projects they're starting to finance. Like our last film, I was going to apply to Telefilm for, and she straight up said, "We're not doing any uh, genre movies for white guys this year." I was like, <laughs> "Okay, sounds good." Like, no, I'm not even joking. Like, I know I joke quite a bit, but that she straight up said that. Uh, and which is fine because it's government money, so they need to be held accountable at the end of the year. And uh, the culture tides are constantly changing, so it's just good to a be aware of the culture you're participating in, and b form a relationship with Telefilm where you can shoot her a quick shoot them a quick email and say, uh, "Here's my two sentences." Kind of like what you wanted with the CSIF to do. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like deferred salary as part of your investment? Yeah, Scott. Scott has it yeah, there. We producer. put full swing productions investment. That's us, um, which is confirmed because I am sure as hell going to be able to spend that because <laughs> all that money was in our salary line items. Yeah. Oh yeah, that doesn't count. No, that's not real. Yeah, you're just gonna. It's gonna be blood, sweat, and tears for a long time, and you will get no money. And that's kind of the name of the grant, though, is the, like, I know it should be the Blood, Sweat, and Tears grant, because they're seeking hungry filmmakers who are going to get it done no matter what, and hopefully find success on their own, and Telefilm can then go, hey, look at what we did. Look at what we made, yeah. Don't pay attention to the hundred other ones that didn't do anything. This one, our golden child, we did this. And I mean, don't get me wrong, I don't mean to make fun of them. I think it's a great organization, but they want to get involved with people who are going to work their asses off to make sure that work is successful so that they can also be successful in the public. Yeah. Side. It's like that with any, if you take any sampling of all of the movies made, yeah. how many are not good? And the answer is 99%. Yeah. Um, but they want to be able to go look. They want to say, one, yeah, they want to say, look, we made star Wars. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, exactly. Did telefilm make star Wars? Uh, no, no. Okay. I should do more research before. <laughs> uh, more questions. Yeah. Perfect. No, they've they've started they've started another, and it's not what it used to be. Uh, the question is, what what's the, the next question, step? Yeah. What's the next step after micro budget? Um, in this great Globe and Mail article, it sounds like I'm plugging them, but seriously, just Google Matt Johnson Telefilm Globe and Mail, and you'll get this. Um, they said they're going to be introducing a. Is it called Next Step? There's a weird name for yeah, it. Yeah, there's there's a weird name for it, but it's yeah, basically getting your it's second like, feature made. So it's for getting your second feature made. And I'm, it's going to sound weird. I still don't think it's enough money to make your second feature because let's say you make your $120,000 feature, you get into Cannes. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. So it's like Sleeping Sleeping Giant, great Canadian film from two years ago. Was, amazing. It was a micro-budget film. Amazing. Got into Cannes. So this person now has clout and could get like, uh, I don't know, Kate Blanchett or something for their next movie. However, what Telefilm's Next Step program is, is... If your first feature gets into one of their uh, proved film festivals, which of which they don't have a list yet, you automatically get half a million dollars for your next one. It's an automatic green light, yeah. So there are, there are mechanisms in place. But who to- knows what that list is going to look like? Um, they're like, 
they just put can and Berlin. And I'm like, well, what about like Hobo with a Shotgun, which played all these huge genre film festivals? Um, right. like, I, I, I might be mistaken, but I think Telefilm gives 500. Gives 500. Right. Yes. So oh, it's not alone. They, they well, I don't know. They don't have the guidelines. Sorry, to be clear, they don't have the guidelines. Yeah, for this it might yet. be alone, but the They're point is, they come in with their own 500k, which means you could easily bring that budget up to a million. Oh, okay, right. With cool. Alberta Media, they probably would have stuff. less restrictions on it. Too. Yeah, yeah. So again, they don't have the guidelines for it. Um, it's something kind to watch, of, though. It's yeah. funny because they uh, they announced these new programs. What was it two or three months ago? Yeah, less, I think. And yeah. they were expected to have their guidelines out, but. A lot of the um, administrators found out about the new programs the same time we did. And so as of last week, the guidelines for the, is it called the talent to watch? What's it yeah, called? you're really having trouble with this. It's yes, a, it is. It's a sentence. Like, yeah. Give us one word. Talent, talent to watch. <laughs> it is. It's one word, talent to watch. First talent. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they, as of last week when I was preparing for this, I was like, oh, what are the differences now? And they had the old guidelines up still. I don't know when you guys got an email about what was different between last year and this year, but I'm assuming it was probably a week ago. We had to. So it's about a yeah, month ago. So they're yeah. scrambling right now to to be to deliver on their word that yeah. was well publicized. Um, so I mean, luckily they have the new guidelines out for the program that we're talking about today. But the guidelines for the next one are going to be much more complicated, and they have no template to just add a right, couple exactly, lines to. Yeah. With this one, they are luckily able to just go, here's five differences between talent to watch and micro budget with, let's call it the next step uh, program. That's more than one word. <laughs> okay, nexty. Let's sure. go with the nexty program, um, they, have to com- they have to completely start fresh. So all I know is that it's half a million bucks, and... You get it instantly if your first feature is uh, selected by one of their approved film festivals, of which they don't have a list. That's but the Cannes t- and Berlin are on there, so if you get into those, that is you the might talent to really telephone. watch program. <laughs> yeah, talent to really watch program. That's a good one. <laughs> nope, it's any first feature. So the question is: Is that any first feature, or specifically one that went through the talent to watch program? Yeah, I, they didn't specify, but I would I would hope uh, they, any. Yeah, in the article they say any first feature. Any but first feature. Again, the guidelines aren't out yet. Um. Yeah. The, so to answer your question about other avenues after the micro budget program, the Calgary Film Center also has their project lab, um, which is a great place to go for even a first feature. Jillian, that's what Jillian's making hers through. Um, but so is Dylan Pierce, and it'll be his seventh feature. So it's a good a good avenue to try next. And their their intake is usually about March or April every year. All right. Ooh. Shall Cam we wrap this up? I mean, we uh, there's. Like networking, aka individual questions. Buy a beer. Buy a beer for Scott. Buy a beer. Well, I'll buy a beer for uh, for Matt. For yeah. Matt, he's yeah. still sore from the accident. Because of the, but uh, uh, we're we're still here. So uh, please eat the donuts, if nothing else, um, and uh, and approach any one of us if you have questions. Uh, but stay. We'll put a little bit of music on and dance the night away. Thank you, uh, first of all, to the panel. Except for Cam, who he just, just he left. literally just left. <laughs> he had enough. He's done. That's it. He just got. He just found out he got into Khan. He was checking yeah, his phone. Yeah, that's right. So he's got five hundred thousand dollars waiting for him in yeah. the bathroom. <laughs> that's in the bathroom. <laughs> Lauren's there. She just is here now. <laughs> that's where they send it. Yeah. Our bathrooms are quite nice, I will say, and they're gender neutral. Um. So uh, yeah. Uh, uh thank you, uh, everybody. Thanks, uh, Matt, for the uh, podcast stuff. Uh, thanks, Nick. Thanks, Eric, uh, in the back, uh, selling. 
beer. Uh, the plan is to release this episode, Matt, when the guidelines come out, right? Yeah. So yeah, if there's more, if you want to revisit this, uh, you will have access to it. So thanks everybody. All right. Good luck. All right. That was a long one. I know. I'm, I'm sorry, but there's a lot to go over. A lot of great information from uh, the Telephone Talent to Watch panel at the CSIF this year. So thank you for listening. I hope it was uh, of, of use to you uh, for your application. And uh, don't don't hesitate to reach out to Scott and myself. Uh, if you if you are interested in seeing our application, which we went over, uh, which Scott went over in the um, in during the panel, uh, just reach out to us. Uh, info at Full Swing Productions. Hello at abfilmcast.ca. Uh, info at fullswingproductions.com is uh, the, the rest of that. Um, we're here to help. If you are interested in looking at our application, we're happy to share it with you. Um, so just ask and we will happily share the link with you. And uh, we'd love to chat with you about your application if you have any questions. Um, and don't forget, of course, actually, I'm going to tell you about it in a second, but there's a great little uh, online webinar happening tomorrow, Thursday, um, that you can jump on all about marketing. But I'll tell you about that in a sec because we're getting into the news you can use section. And first, we've got to uh, let you know that that's presented by Bleeding Art Industries. And and every week, Bleeding Art Industries is kind enough to not only uh, sponsor the show, but also provide all you wonderful filmmakers with a fantastic uh, tip of the week. And this week, it's all about our needs as filmmakers to explore the process behind the illusion. 24 frames per second is our legacy standard. The result is an art form that has kept people spellbound for over a century. The illusions created by the camera, editing, or projection are supported by sets, costumes, and lighting. Actors, directors, and producers are show people, and if successful, are experts at using artifice to their advantage. As filmmakers, we experience the illusion, and then we are compelled to critically analyze it, going behind the curtain to explore the techniques and the crucial roles played by the vast number of people who pull the strings. We create the illusion as a way to tell our stories, and as special effects people, we make the unbelievable believable. So it's a cool thought, uh, a nice reminder about uh, what it is that we do when we make films. So thanks, Bleeding Art, and thank you for uh, sponsoring the show as usual. Uh, now, let's get into the upcoming deadlines. Spring 2018 member screening. The CSIF uh, is putting on their um, twice-a-year uh, member screening, uh, this one coming up in the spring, and they are looking for films. So if you're a member of the CSIF, head over to CSIF.org and check out the job call for the on-location member screening and director's talk happening May in May of 2018 at Theater Junction Grand. Man, Theater Junction Grand, what a great venue. Been to a few events there now. CSIF's been involved with uh, with them for a while now and, and lots of fun events happening there. It's just so cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I would, yeah, I've never had a film screen there, but I, I think anyone would be lucky to do so. So, uh, you can also email programming at csif.org for more information about that. And uh, you can also jump on Slack. I'm just going to talk about it right now, guys. Slack is this cool thing. I don't know if you use Slack, but it's a really cool messaging um, app. It's got a desktop app. There's a browser app. There's a uh, a phone app as well. So if you are interested in... Uh, learning more about uh, CSIF or getting more engaged in the community in Southern Alberta, um, we've created, and, and and I'm on the board, so I was, I was part of the group that kind of helped get this off the ground. You know, CSIF for a long time has been using the uh, the old Yahoo message group, message board thing, where you'd sign up, you'd have to get approved, and then you could send out an email blast to the entire membership. Um, it worked, but Yahoo is not the most user-friendly experience. Um, and there's a lot of people on there. Uh, 
and you don't even have to be a member. Um, so we wanted to recreate that experience using Slack. And now it's a conversationally based thing. And uh, it's a great place to share anything you might want to do in the film industry. Um, right now, some of the channels that are available, the buy, rent, sell channel. If you've got something that you'd like to sell or if you're looking for a camera you're trying to buy or rent, that's where you can find out more information about that. You can put out the call. Hey, I'm looking for this or hey, I've got this for sale. Uh, casting calls. You can put your casting calls in the uh, casting call channel. Crew calls, same deal. CSIF announcements happen in the CSIF announcements channel. Uh, there's also an events channel and a self-promotion channel. That's where you can you know, put your calls out for, uh, hey, I've got a story hive, vote for my story hive. Uh, don't be afraid to share you know, the good news about your, your project winning an award or whatever it is. The, the self-promotion channel is all about getting your, uh, getting your message out there. Uh, no shame. Don't, don't feel, you know, sometimes we feel like, oh, I can't really share this. I don't want to look like a douchebag. That's what this channel is all about. If people don't want to see it, they won't look at it. Self-promotion is the place to share all of the stuff, uh, all the good news that's going on in your film and ask people for, you know, Kickstarter backers or, or whatever it is. Uh, that's the place for it. There's also a section called the volunteer opportunities. Uh, and all of these uh, channels are open to everyone. So you don't even have to be a member of the CSIF, but it is of course organized by the CSIF. So check it out. Uh, uh, the reason I bring it up with the member screening is because Risa, the programming uh, person at CSIF, is uh, online uh, a lot. You can reach out to her directly through that if you'd like. And, um, of course, you can you can see the call uh, on the CSIF.org website as well. Deadline for submission for that, guys. Friday, March 23rd, as I digress at midnight. The Calgary Film Center Project Lab is uh, uh, happening again this year. Um, it is a launching pad for Alberta Voices, and it's in its second year uh, supporting Alberta's emerging filmmakers by providing them with grants to launch their project into the global marketplace. Supported by the government of Alberta, Project Lab offers support in the areas of finance, venue, mentorship, and equipment services, along with in-kind resources. The program engage in, engages seasoned Alberta producers, storytellers, and others who will use their skills to train and mentor the new generation of talent. Um, it's a great uh, opportunity for filmmakers. Um, and even though it's put on by the Calgary Film Center, I don't believe it's limited to Calgary filmmakers. If you're in Edmonton, uh, you may be aware that there's a film shooting right now called the Christmas Cupcakes that's partially funded by the Calgary Film Center Project Lab. Um, so if you're an Edmontonian, you're, you're likely eligible. So check out cal calgaryfilmcenter.com slash project dash lab. Um, in 2018, Project Lab will support emerging filmmakers with existing uh, micro-budget feature productions that have either a ready-to-shoot status and or productions requesting completion funds for post-production work. Uh, so it looks like they are looking for projects that are really looking for that last piece of financing um, or are maybe done and just need to uh, wrap things up with post-production. Project Lab will sponsor and resource two feature film projects in 2018. Uh, so you can uh, you can apply by March 30th at uh, 1600 hours, film talk. Uh, submissions must follow the format as detailed in the application guidelines and applications that signify that significantly deviate from the format will not advance to the jury for consideration. Uh, all right. I mentioned uh, it previously, but the Earl Parker Award for Jewish Film uh, at the Edmonton Jewish Film Festival is available. Again, this is an award of $1,000 uh, to a uh, an unproduced um, uh, nonfiction or fictional uh, Jewish related, uh, related to Jewish identity themes, culture, um, and applicants must be engaged in a film or video project at any stage of production. So you can, you can actually have, uh, you know, be in post-production, need some finishing funds here as well. 
which is kind of cool. So uh, the deadline for that is April 2nd, 2018. Uh, we don't have a link, so I would just uh, Google the Edmonton Jewish Film Festival or the Earl Parker Award for Jewish Film. Hey, upcoming events over in Edmonton uh, at FavaFest. Uh, Fava's 7th annual FavaFest Film and Video Arts Festival springs into action April 17 to 21. Five days of this. Very exciting. During the week, uh, we'll showcase films by Fava filmmakers in Best of the Fest screenings with a diverse range of content and style. Uh, they're partnering with DeadFest on Thursday night to bring a screening of Edmonton cult favorite Hello Mary Lou Prom Night 2, where the audience can get dolled up in their best or goriest 80s prom attire. Uh, Fab is thrilled to announce that their Friday night feature event is a 25th anniversary screening of Two Brothers, A Girl, and a Gun, with a rare opportunity to see it in a 35mm print. So that's very cool. Sean Johnston from Heartland uh, and in Plainview uh, was in that film. And uh, what a cool opportunity to see uh, uh, that film in on 35. Very cool. Uh, check out fava.ca uh, for more information on that. Lots of cool stuff happening during Fava Fest, including, of course, their awards show, uh, which I believe is the, the final night. So check that out uh, to learn more. Uh, upcoming screenings happening. Uh, he, uh, this is an interesting one. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna share with you a little, uh, a little piece of audio from uh, our friends over at Panic Moon Pictures. Um, we have uh, someone from the, uh, the production here for Scarlet who wanted to share with our listeners uh, their film and uh, doing so completely free. So here's a little message from the producer. Hello, it is indeed me, Adam Canuck Zimmerman, the director and co-writer of Here for Scarlet. Thank you in advance for listening to the upcoming Jibber and Jabber. Here for Scarlet is a micro-budget comedy with a romantic tinge that we shot in Vancouver, BC in 2014. My original idea for the story was going to be a full-out musical, but I abandoned that pretty quickly because it would have been quite unachievable. So, I like the idea of writing songs... So the story was going to be about the lead singer of a band, but there wasn't enough story there. So it became about a newlywed couple, Kurt and Erica, and a third party who may or may not be named Scarlet. And there's also a band. So there's a bunch of original songs in there um, to, you know, listen to. I guess that's what you, that's what you do with songs. We shot the movie over 17 days in April, and on our days off, we'd go to the Harborside Institute of Technology to record the music. This was a non-union production where everyone volunteered their time, which was amazing as it allowed us to finish the film and submit it to festivals for around $8,300. Our DOP shot on a Canon 5D, and our crew was only five or six people, depending on the day. Uh, we were lucky enough to get some cool free locations. We shot at any apartment or house that would let us, and our small crew allowed us to be inconspicuous enough that we could nab any other shots we needed. Conspicuous? No, inconspicuous. Conspicuous? We had a small crew. But the best part of the film, uh, I think, are the actors. We were lucky enough to book the most amazing cast. Um, everyone on the flick totally killed it, um, except for this idiot producer who insisted on being in it. His name rhymes with Schmadam. Uh, we were gifted performances that were hilarious, honest, and heartfelt. Um, I've just coined the term the Triple H special. So that's what that means. Uh, I, I, I just recently watched the movie and it struck me again how absolutely talented everyone was. Um, all the performances were amazing. Except for Schmadam. We had an amazing post-production team, um, our editor, our sound editor, uh, music mixer, and we submitted the film to as many festivals as we could. But unfortunately, we didn't get into any. 
which is okay. You know, um, many filmmakers will probably agree that it, it can kind of get tough to get your voice heard. And sometimes your film doesn't mesh with a festival's programming. It just, it happens. It's fine. But now the movie's been sitting, you know, waiting, not doing much. So we decided, just like Anthony Kiedis and the boys, to give it away. Give it away now. Um, there are so many great elements to this flick that I just love, and I can't stand that it hasn't been seen by more people. So now everyone can see it for the low price of free. Isn't that right, Matt and Scott? No Scott here, but yes, you're absolutely right. Uh, <laughs> thanks for sending that in. Uh, so check out gumroad.com slash I slash here for Scarlet. Uh, to check out that film for free. I watched it. It's great. It's an awesome little micro budget shoot with a great with great performances. A really cool cast, really fun little story. Another example of really amazing micro 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 budget filmmaking um with such a small budget. So congrats to everyone for uh their work on Here for Scarlet. And of course Tara Pratt in that in that film. Uh she's awesome. I knew her back in the day in Edmonton. Uh, she moved to Vancouver, I moved to Calgary. Uh, neither's better. Uh, neither's better. Uh, there's a little more production happening in Vancouver, but Tara's fantastic in it. So thanks again. Uh, Specters of Shortwave by Amanda Dawn Christie, presented by Monograph, happening at the M Media Screening Room on March 28th, 2018, from 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. Admission is by donation. This is a cool uh, first feature length film from Amanda Dawn Christie. Um, it's called Specters of Shortwave. And it's for invited guests. Admission is by donation. So if you're interested in checking it out, just reach out to M Media. See if you can get yourself on the guest list. Upcoming workshops and classes, uh, of course, ha- uh, happening soon here. We've got, uh, of course, IATSE is putting on their uh, set etiquette and protocol course. Uh, March 23rd at 6 p.m., Gail Kennedy is instructing. Check out IATSE 212 for more information on that. Telefilm Talent to Watch webinar. This is what I mentioned earlier. Two-hour webinar with Annalise. Uh, Annalise, where's her last name? Uh, anyway, she is a wonderful uh, person. I got to meet her in um, in Toronto for a Telefilm Digital Marketing Bootcamp, which she taught. So if you're looking for information about your te- the marketing plan for your film, for the Telefilm Talent to Watch film uh, application, you gotta you gotta sign up for this. It's only twenty six twenty five. Uh, limit of fifty participants happening Thursday, March 29th at nine a.m. Uh, PST, uh, noon Eastern time. So I guess that's ten a.m. Alberta time. Uh, and so yeah, uh, it's gonna be awesome and uh, a rare opportunity um, to speak with the go to person for Telefilm's go to person for marketing info is going to teach you about what Telefilm is looking for in their marketing plan. So uh, it's kind of a hack, which is awesome. So um, w- what could be better? Movie Marketing on a Shoestring is uh, is coming up. Um, join producer, marketing strategist, Scott Westby. Uh, you know what? The date on this has just changed, but it is coming up. Um, so keep an eye on CSIF's uh, website uh, for more information on this. But it's, a, it's going to be a panel a discussion all about the basics and the deep dive into marketing for film and filmmaking with uh, with your your co-host of the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast, Scott Westby. Very cool. Uh, have, and yeah, so we'll get you the new dates for that soon. Um, it's going to be $40 for members and students, $60 for non-members. Funding basics for indie filmmakers. Hey, this is, uh, this is from Prima, uh, which is the, uh, what's it called? Uh, P-R- 
P-E-A-C-E-R-E-G-I-M-A-A, which is the Peace Region Independent Media Arts Association. Now, uh, this is cool because this is happening in Grand Prairie and uh, loving reaching out to more of the Alberta community. Um, they're up to some cool stuff at the, at the, uh, Peace Region Independent Media Arts, Associ- Arts Association. Um, so be sure to check out this, uh, workshop called Funding Basics for Indie Filmmakers. It's happening April 6th, 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. It's $30. You've got a great idea, but how do you access the cash to tell your story? Funding Basics for Indie Filmmakers will introduce the participants to a range of public and private funding opportunities in Canada. Instructed by Ava Carvonen, uh, uh, who is the VP of Film uh, for IATSE 210. So check out prima.org, P-R-I-M-A-A.org for more information on that. Set Etiquette and Protocol happening also at Prima. Uh, this is happening at 7, uh, sorry, April 7th uh, from 10 a.m. to 12 p.m. for $40. Uh, also instructed by Ava Carvonen. Uh, so check that out as well. What a great day uh, of information from... Um, or two days, I should say, from Ava Carvonen. Uh, the Elements of Story Workshop, also happening at Prima in Grand Prairie, uh, also on April 7th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., uh, $30 to get a great, uh, if you've got a great idea for your pro- for your next project, how do you turn that idea into a story and gain a better understanding of story and story structure in the Elements of Story? Guess who's instructing it? Ava Carvonen, uh, VP of Film at IATSE 210. Check out pre- Prima, P-R-I-M-A-A.org for more information on that. We're excited to uh, to be kind of adding Prima's events to our collection. So if you're in the Grand Prairie area, let us know. We would love to hear about what you're up to in the uh, in the Grand Prairie and area film community. Uh, next up, we've got a financial wellness and tax pre- preparation presentation presented by Amos April 9th, 2018 at the Quick Dry Animation Society at 6.30 p.m., and uh, I think that speaks for itself. You know, if you're an artist, you know, doing taxes can be a little bit weird, a little bit different. Um, so this is, a, this is a workshop all about how you can manage that. You can check out amas.ca slash webinars uh, if you'd like to check out more information on that. That's amas.ca slash webinars. Creating a Culture of Consent presented by the Alberta Music and the Alberta Media Arts Alliance Society, AMOS again, April 10th, 2018, 6.30 p.m. at the Calgary Sexual Health Center. Uh, free registration, and uh, to find out more, again, go to amas.ca slash webinars. What's shooting in town? Lots of stuff going on. Lots of cool stuff happening in Alberta. Winona Earp, Season 3, Tin Star Season 2, Christmas Cupcakes uh, in shooting in Edmonton, and uh, TM Production just wrapped filming a doc in Chile called Historas con Pulgas, centered around the lives of street dogs, street something in uh in chile so uh if you if you're interested in more information about that you can check out facebook.com slash tm production world uh nothing for job calls uh recommendations never never sleep that's what i would recommend doesn't do anything for you like speaking coherently doesn't doesn't help you with that so Thanks, everybody. This has been a long episode. Thanks for sticking sticking with us, uh, getting through it with us. Hopefully, you've got some good information. Uh, get out there. Uh, make something cool. Big thanks to Briar, Chad, Britt, and Seth. Couldn't make this podcast without those folks. And if you're an Alberta filmmaker, really, this podcast is about you. So you got to reach out. Let us know what's going on in your world. We'd love to hear about it. You can reach out at hello at abfilmcast.ca. You can check us out on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, SoundCloud, all that good stuff. Thanks to our sponsors. Uh, and one final message from APA, uh, and after you listen to that, go make some.
The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.